Well, good morning. Welcome to Mercy House. My name is Robert. I'm the lead pastor, and I just want to welcome you all. Uh, I want to give a quick pitch for the Go to the City project. We mentioned this last semester that Mercy House is going to send out a team uh, of folks uh, this summer for a five-week project, and it'll be in a city in Central Asia of about 20 million. In that 20 million, there's about 1,000 Christians, so it would be considered an unengaged uh, people group. There's not enough gospel momentum in that city for the gospel to really uh, take uh, root and get moving. So folks from the outside need to come in and to be a part uh, of the local church that is there. Uh, it's open because it's a secular place that allows foreigners to come and go. It's strategic because there's a lot of people from closed nations that come in and out of that city. And it's also uh, a time of seeking among especially younger people that are there. They're open. They're interested. And so th- it's, a, it's a really important, I feel like, window in history uh, for this particular city that we plan to go into. We're not mentioning the city partly because those that we're working with are, are there uh, doing different things uh, that, that are kind of their platform for gospel ministry. Um, but if they were f- sort of found out what they were doing uh, in terms of gospel ministry, the government would, would throw them out. So uh, we want to keep their safety. And so a cu- couple of, of those uh, folks that we'll be working with are, are this family, Tommy and Brittany and their girls. Uh, and they've been there for three years. They've been learning the language of the region and are excited that we're going to come and be a part of this project. Now what's in this project is... Uh, three weeks of being on a university campus. So the the folks that we send on this team will spend three weeks learning language, learning culture, rubbing shoulders with the local students that are there on that campus, living in the dorms, eating in the cafeteria. It's a huge opportunity to be a gospel presence um, in a place, again, that doesn't really have much of a a presence. Dates for the trip, uh, it's basically the month of July. We leave around June 29th, come back August 3rd. Cost is around $3,500 uh, for everything. That's, that's plain, fair, that's food, that's housing. Uh, and we are, are about to buy plane tickets. So that's really the, kind of the deadline for sign-up. So the folks that have signed up are coming to my house this afternoon at 4 o'clock. If you're like, I'm interested in going on that trip, uh, you could come at 4 o'clock today. I've got a map of how to get to my house, and I'll, I can give you that after the service uh, if you're like, I'm booked this afternoon, but I'm, I'm interested, just reach out to me and uh, we can talk about the potential of uh, you going on the trip. But in, after March 1st, it's over. Like We, we have to buy airfare and uh, this will be your last, your last shot. Uh, those of you that are thinking, well, I can't go, but how can I help? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we don't just need a go team, we need a send team. And so the SEND team will be praying and you will be giving. And my hope is that everyone in this room will be somehow a part of the SEND uh, team. And you'll find out more about how you can participate uh, in the coming days. So let's, let's take a look at uh, Luke chapter 5. So hopefully you've, you've found that in your Bibles. Uh, if, if you don't know where Luke is, look at, look at the table of contents. The Bible has a table of contents. You can figure out where Luke is. Chapter 5. Um, We've been calling this sermon series Follow, and uh, for good reason, right? Christ calls us to follow Him. We've been asking ourselves, why would we do that? And if we finally decide, yes, I want to do that, I want to follow Jesus, 
Uh, how would we do that? So these are big, big questions, I think, that should be in our minds. And I, I think for those of us that have come to a place where we are following Jesus, um, part of that journey was we saw other people following Jesus. And when we saw them living that out, we, it caused us to want to lean in and find out more and learn about who Jesus was and learn what it meant to, to follow him. That was true for me. So as a college student, I, I had this experience, and I, I call this the tale of two pastors. And so the first pastor um, was uh, a guy who's a nice guy, and uh, he told funny stories, and he briefly mentioned the Bible in his sermons, but not a lot. Um, but when I got closer to him and got to know him better, uh, it didn't seem that Jesus made that much of a difference in any part of his life. Family was a wreck, the, the way that he lived his life in a lot of different ways uh, it didn't really add up with what I was reading in the Bible. Then I met another pastor, uh, Pastor Tom, who was a college pastor at a, at a church near my university. And as I got to know him more and started to kind of press in more, uh, seeing his life, seeing his marriage, seeing the way he raised his kids, seeing the way he spent his money, seeing the way he treated people, uh, over and over and over I kept finding that Jesus was at the center of that. And he, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He, he had sin that, that he was dealing with, and he would confess that openly, which was also like, wow, this is weird, this is different. And then I realized, oh, this is because of Jesus, that he can be honest about uh, sin in his life and his need for a Savior. And, and, I, and again, I, th I think for those of you that you're considering the, uh, following Jesus, you're considering who Jesus is and, and how to do this, this is going to be part of your journey if it hasn't already been that you're going to be kind of watching other people who, who've kind of taken the plunge, and it's going to help you to understand uh, what this looks like. Uh, you can also look in the Bible at those that were disciples of Jesus. And the, this story that we just heard read from Luke 5 uh, is one of those stories where we see someone come in contact with Jesus, and then, based on what they've encountered in Jesus, they follow Jesus. And so it's like a little little prototype here of what it looks like to encounter Jesus and follow Jesus uh, in this story. So let's take a look at this. Luke 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. How do you say that? Jenny did a good job. Gennesaret? Yeah. Uh, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, uh, had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's also Peter, okay, he asked him to put a, out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's really known as a teacher. He, he's, a, he's a good teacher. Uh, he's getting a following. So, People are interested in what he has to say, they're, they're intrigued by him, they're interested, perhaps a little entertained by, by his teaching, and they're following him in the sense that we follow someone on Instagram or, or Facebook, right? We, we, we're interested in them. We are interested in what they have to say and what they're doing with their lives, and we might pick up a few pointers here or there from them, but, but it's, there's quite a bit of distance between us and the person that we're following. So say, say, for instance, you start following some scuba diving, right? You're like, I like, I'm interested in scuba diving, and, and you start following uh, some of the equipment that scuba divers use and some of the places that they go and, and some of the techniques, and, and, and so you're following the scuba diving as a 
propose to, to these guys on this picture here. Um, <laughs> you know, some of you know these guys, right? It's Alden and Dylan and Dustin. Uh, they, they actually went and took a class in scuba diving. They put on the equipment. They got in the water, right? This is the kind of follow that Jesus is calling us to. Not just Instagram following. Like, I'm interested in you, Jesus. Like, like you're intriguing to me. I'm curious about you. Now, now, now our journey with him always starts there, right? You've got to start somewhere. But that's not where he wants us to stay. He wants us to get in the water. He wants us to get in the water. And, 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 and he, he, he wants us to trust in him so much that if trusting in him doesn't work, our lives would sink. Hey, this is one of the ways you know you're trusting in Jesus. When you're like, okay, Jesus, if you don't come through here, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> right? Just like those guys trusting that equipment. Right? They, they jump in that water and they're like, okay, if this doesn't work, like, I'm drowned. And so this is, this is the kind of leaning in and trusting in and putting faith in and following Jesus that he is desiring. But, but how does Jesus bring us to that place? I mean, that's a big, that's a big jump, right? To go from I'm, I'm, I'm self-determined to I'm Jesus-determined, right? That's a massive shift. And this is what we see Peter do right here, okay? So verse 4 the beginning of this, he says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is Jesus, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So again, they fished all night, they've taken the nets out of the water, they've cleaned up the nets, they've mended the nets, I mean, they're ready to kind of put it away and be done for uh, the, the, the evening or, or, or the day. And, and then Jesus is like, why don't you throw those back out? Now, Peter's response is respectful. I mean, I think he respects Jesus. I, you know, we don't know exactly all that he knows about Jesus at this moment, but he calls him master. And so he sees him as some kind of an authoritative teacher, some kind of prophet maybe. And so he, he, he's not like, forget you, right? Like, like he's like calling him master, but he doesn't really think Jesus has authority over the fishing industry. And, and so Peter's thinking, I have more authority over fishing than you do. Like, you're a Bible teacher, right? It's like, like, like the only skill you have, right? It's kind of like me, I, only skill I got, right? Teach the Bible. Um, but he, he looks at Jesus and he's like, okay, well, I, I, I do want to do what you say, because I think you're, you have some kind of authority. But he lets Jesus know, we've already tried this, and it ain't going to work. We're not going to catch any fish. And he lets Jesus know that, that, that sort of he knows better. And so they throw the nets out. So verse 6, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Turns out Jesus knows something a little bit about fish. <laughs> He's Lord of the fish. He's Lord of the fish. And so there's so many fish that says the nets start breaking. And then there's so many fish that boats start sinking. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. There's, there's no way this was just, you know, 
Jesus is some kind of fish whisperer, you know, he's like, has some kind of uh, insider trading on fishing or something. That's, this is not what's happening. It's miraculous. And not only does this, this mean this is a lot of fish, this is a lot of money. This is what these guys do for a living. And so not, not only have they just caught a whole bunch of fish, but their stock just went way up. And why is Jesus doing this? Is it because people on the shore are really hungry? Is this a kind of feeding of 5,000 kind of thing? He's like, oh, I heard a lot of rumbly tummies over there. I'm going to, you know, get some fish for you. No, that doesn't seem to be the case. Is it because Peter's fishing business is in the red and needs a windfall of profit? No. As far as we know, Peter's business is not in need of any kind of big windfall. He's doing it for one reason. And one reason only, to reveal himself, to reveal his identity. That's the only reason he's doing it. And that is always the primary reason that Jesus does healing, is to reveal his identity. Now, yes, there are secondary reasons, oftentimes, of alleviating suffering and things like that. But it's always, always primary reason is to reveal his identity. Peter gets this. He knows exactly why Jesus is doing this. Verse 8, Peter, Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So that's Peter's reaction to this miraculous catch. Peter knows he has come in contact with the divine. Now, I don't think he knows all the implications of that. I don't think he's got all his theology worked out. But he knows he's come in contact with with the divine, and when, Peter, Peter knows, when sinners come in contact with divine, that divine always wins. <laughs> when holy comes in contact with sin, holy, holy wins out every time. And so it's so interesting, he comes close to Jesus, and then he's like, get away from me. And then there's something about the holiness of God that is like this, is it not? On one hand, we know we should run away from it. But on the other hand, we know it's exactly what we need. We need the holy God, right? And so he runs toward the holiness of God and says, get away from me, Jesus. I am a sinner. Now, we're ten- we tend to be the opposite in our culture in terms of how we think about God. We think about God as kind of the big grandfather in the sky and that he's not that worried about sin, that kind of thing. Um, we've used this phrase uh, a lot that, I stole um, that this idea that people often have in terms of God is that uh, this kind of religion that we might call moral therapeutic deism, moral therapeutic deism, meaning moral, God wants me to be a good person, so check, you know, like therapeutic, God's main role is to make me feel better, right? So I be a good person, God makes me feel good. And then deism, like he's pretty, pretty distant unless I need him. And then I ask him for stuff. But otherwise, I live my life however I want apart from him. And this is, this is how a lot of people view God in this kind of moral, therapeutic, deistic way. I Googled our church last week. Dangerous. Dangerous. Okay. You know, Google, the pastor Googles his name or, or his church. Um, I noticed on Yelp we have 2.5 stars. And uh, 
I was like, wow, 2.5 stars, that's not that great. And I look, so I look, I go a little deeper, and, and KM says, you usually can expect judgment from this church. And then she kind of goes into a little diatribe about one of my sermons. Uh, and I'm pretty sure KM thinks of God in the way that I just described. Like in a, in a moral, therapeutic, deistic kind of way. That any kind of talk of sin or repentance or need for forgiveness, that that, that is met with uh, much critique, if you will. So if you want to up the stars, go on Yelp and uh, <laughs> help us out, okay? Uh, I mean, you guys still came, even though we got a 2.5. I, I, you know, you... You guys probably don't even look at Yelp. I, I, don't, I don't either. Um, but this is not God. This is not who God is. Um, Peter knows this partly because Peter knows his Bible. He read the Bible. So he knows that God is, is not this moral therapeutic de, uh, de, deity. So Isaiah 6 may be one of the parts that, uh, that Peter read. Uh, this is an encounter of the prophet Isaiah with God. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Peter definitely had read passages like that. He'd come in contact with the divine. He knew that this one that he was coming in contact with was holy right now you might be thinking well that's the big bad god from the old testament that's not the god of the new testament right i'm not so sure about that revelation uh, chapter one the apostle john has a, a vision of the exalted christ right and so 112 then i turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on uh, turning i saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man so one like a human clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Not New England sun, Florida sun, okay? And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Peter had a way better handle on God than most of us. He, we, we should understand that Jesus is, is God in the flesh. And even though he's standing there talking and laughing and sleeping at night and eating breakfast in the morning, he is God. He is holy, holy, holy. He is the Lord of hosts. And, and Peter is at least beginning to understand that that 
is true, that Jesus is perfect, he's without blemish, that he's never thought or spoken or acted in a way that contradicted the perfect character of God, which is the perfect standard for everything. He's all, he always has been this way. He always will be this way. And because, when we, because we are sinners, we think and say things that are inconsistent with who God is. And because of that, is why, Jesus, is why Peter said, get away from me, right? Because he knew that Jesus was holy. That was an appropriate response. But what is Jesus going to say to him, right? If, if, if Peter falls down at his feet and says, get away from me, what does Jesus say? Does, does Jesus say, Peter, don't be silly. Sin's not a big deal to me. Does he say that? No. Or, or, or Peter, I'm full of love, only love. And so your sin doesn't really matter because I'm all love. Does he say that? No. Does he say, oh, Peter, stand up. Don't, don't fall down on your face. You need self-esteem. Like, come, come on. Your, your self-esteem is really low and you, you need to get better self-esteem. Like, please stand up, right? No. He doesn't say any of that, right? Here's what he says. So verse 9, we see that there's a few other... Uh, future disciples here that are in the mix. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So Jesus says two things to him. Don't be afraid. And from now on, you'll be catching humans, right? So don't be, let's look, look at each of these. Don't be afraid. So he doesn't say that you're wrong, Peter. That Peter's admitting his sin before a holy God. He, he doesn't say, no, 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 no. That's not what you should be doing. He doesn't say that. He is in the presence of the divine. He is a sinner in the, in the presence of holy God. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Now, why does he do that? How does he do that? And the reason that he's, he's doing that is because this holy God who has uh, become flesh is going to go to the cross. Right? He's going to die in the place of Peter and every other sinner. Right? And, 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 he, and he's going to do that so that sinners can come close to a holy God. And the holy God can say, don't be afraid. He's not saying don't be afraid because sin doesn't matter. He's saying don't be afraid because sin's going to get taken care of at the cross. And the grace and mercy of the cross are flowing backward into that moment where Jesus is encountering Peter. And so he says, don't be afraid. Now, the other thing that he says is, from now on, you're going to catch humans, right? Um, he gives him a mission. And it's so interesting because the way Jesus handles this is, it's like no questions asked. From now on, Peter, this is what you're going to do. He doesn't say, I've got, I've got a great proposal with PowerPoint I'd like to show you. Really like you to consider this. <laughs> he just says, this is what you're going to do. From now on, you're going to catch humans. Now, the, there's a progression there, right? Peter, he, he encounters Jesus. He sees Jesus for who he is. He then confesses his sin. Jesus then gives him mercy. And then Jesus starts calling the shots from now on. This is the way your life's going to go, right? And, and, and this, is, this is not just for Peter, right? This is for all of us. And, and so 
What does Peter do? Look, look what Peter does, and James and John as well. Verse 11, when he had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. They heard the call. From now on, do this. And they said, okay, we're doing it. And they left their nets. They left their boats. They left their catch. They left their catch. Now, now don't miss this. That catch was a big deal. You might think of it in modern terms like this. Most of you are fishermen, I don't think. Are you fishermen? I mean, commercial fishermen? No. So let's say you're, uh, you're posting YouTube videos. And you're trying to get your channel to, to be a, a, a channel of great influence. And you've got your political videos or your fashion videos or whatever uh, that, you, that you're into. A, a, a cat that looks grumpy, you know. May he rest in peace. Grumpy cat. Anyway. Um, and Jesus gives you an idea for a video to post. And he's like, post this video. And you're like, Jesus, that's a horrible idea. Right? Like, like, like I, am, I, I know how YouTube works. That's not going to be a good video. I'm not, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, no, just, just do it. Just do what I say. Right? Cast, cast your YouTube video into the deep water. And, <laughs> and you're like, okay. And so you do it, and you get 7 million hits in one week. Right? And I mean, Mark Zuckerberg calls you and, and is like, you are amazing, and I'd love to invest in your channel, and, and you're, you're killing it, right? And then Jesus says, actually, I want you to shut the channel down. Follow me. Let's go make disciples, All right? So there's, there's something like that going on here, where, where Peter has, has just had this miraculous catch, and, and Jesus is saying, leave the catch. Leave your nets. Leave your boat. Leave your livelihood, leave everything, and follow me. And they do it. And they do it. Would you do that? Would you do that? In your encounter with Jesus so far, is it such that you would do that, that you would follow him in that way? Leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Because Jesus, he's extending that call to you today. It's not just for Peter and James and John. He's extending that to you. Right, I mean, again, our, kind of our theme verse for this sermon series, Luke 9, 23. Uh, he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross follow, uh, daily, and follow me. If anyone, if anyone would come after me, anyone who professes to be a follower of Jesus, take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. He's asking this of you as well. Now, think about where you are in this journey, because I think it's a fairly predictable journey. Uh, this is a, a, a little uh, journey that we use in staff meetings sometimes to think about how people progress in our church. Most people come in and as what we might call a seeker. They're interested in who Jesus is. They don't know who he is, right? But they're interested. They want to find out more. Some, some of you in the room, you're seekers. We're glad you're here. We, we actually prayed that you would be here. We, and and we, we want this space to be a place where you can come and you can seek and you can ask questions and you can pursue an interest in Jesus. For some of you seekers, you do know about Jesus. Like, like, like you've pressed in, you've read, you've talked to people, you've come to a place where you get it. Like you understand 
the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And, and, and you, just, you just haven't taken that step of placing faith and trust in him for salvation. You haven't moved to this next stage, what we would call a confessor. Someone that, that's confessing that they are indeed a follower of Jesus. So, so you, 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 know more, you know about Jesus and you've actually gone to him for saving for your sin, right? Now, if you're a confessor, a new confessor, uh, you, you may have gone to Jesus for saving from your sin, but you, you don't know how to follow him yet. And so th- this is the, the progression of confessor to a disciple, figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus, right? This is why we have uh, discipleship groups, they're trying to help you to move from merely just maybe giving lip service to the Christian faith to actually pressing in and learning what it means to trust in Christ on a daily basis. Uh, really, the first step from going from confessor to disciple is really baptism, right? That, that Jesus, he, he instructed his church to baptize those. He says, make disciples. How do you do that, Jesus? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them Everything that I've commanded. That's how you make disciples, right? And so when you've come to that at least basic understanding of the gospel, that first step of obedience, of sort of external living out of the thing that you're confessing is getting baptized. So if you haven't done that, you need to come to meet Mercy House. If you're at that place where you, you're like, yes, I believe, that that's one of the very first things. And getting established in those basics. As a disciple, uh, you then move into making disciples of others. You're passing on what you've learned in terms of belief and practice, and you're helping others uh, to do that as well. This is what Jesus is inviting Peter into. From now on, you will catch humans. He's saying, I want to I train you to be a disciple maker. That's what he's signing up for. Now, he had to move through those stages of confessor, or, or seeker, confessor, disciple, and then disciple maker. But make no mistake, this is, this is what Jesus' vision is for Peter, and it's what his vision is for you if, if you're moving through this journey. And so you can kind of think about where you're at in that. Are you a seeker? Have you, have you, have you still not fully trusted in who Jesus is? Or are you a confessor? Yes, I, I do believe this, and I have kind of given lip service to this, but I need to take another, the next step of being baptized, of, of getting established in the basics? Or is it that next step to becoming a disciple maker? Where you're like, okay, I have some basics of belief and practice. I need to learn how to transfer that to other people. Some even would become makers of disciple makers. I, I don't think every Christian is a maker of disciple uh, makers per, per se, um, but some of you are, are called to that as a volunteer in a church-type context, but some of you are called to that as a full-time vocational ministry. What I mean by that, that's, that's your job, right? That's, that's my call on my life, is, it's to be a maker of disciple makers. And so for some of you, you you're called to, to ministry. And so Christ is saying to you, just like he, he, he said to, to Peter, Peter was definitely being called to full-time vocational ministry and Jesus is calling you into that. For some of you that's cross-cultural and he's sending you to the nations. Right? This is part of the giving up of self-determination. Is that when Jesus says go, you go. And if that's across the street to your neighbor or it's across the country to do something or it's 
across the world. You go, you do what he says. Now, now why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because of who Jesus is. The same reason Peter did it that day. He had gotten a glimpse of the divine Savior. He received mercy from that divine Savior. And when he experienced that mercy for his sin from the divine Savior, it unlocked something in him. Such that when the divine Savior said, from now on, you're going to do this, he said, yes, sir, I'm going to do that. And he didn't do it begrudgingly. <laughs> it wasn't something that was like, okay, Jesus, I mean, I guess, if that's what you want, it wasn't like that at all, right? There was joy in giving his life in surrender to the one who is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the call on your, on your life. On your life. And again, it looks different for different people. But, but make no mistake, he's calling you to follow him with everything that you are. I remember very, very clearly one of, one of the first people to come uh, to our youth ministry when I was doing youth ministry back way, 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 way back in the 90s. And uh, she was junior in high school, uh, she basically came to youth group because she wanted to play volleyball, and we had a gym. And so she, a friend invited her, and so we played volleyball. I was an amazing volleyball player back in the 90s. Um, no, no, no I, wasn't, I wasn't amazing there, then or now. Um, but, but we just played volleyball and spiked on each other and just ha had a good, really, really good time. And she was good friends with one of the girls in our youth group that was sold out, just totally loving Jesus and following him. And so out of that, she decided she wanted to come back, but not just for volleyball, actually come back for Bible study. And so she started to hear about who Jesus was and what he was calling her to. And over time, uh, she started to consider that and to, to seriously consider it. And then we took her to... Um, on, on a, to a youth camp. We were in New Mexico, and uh, we had just heard a, a pastor preach a sermon on the gospel, and we were there having kind of our church group debrief. And I look over, and Lois is this girl that most of you know that works for our staff, is crying, and I, I walk over, and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And so she prays, ask God to forgive her, to give her a new life, that we go back to, to the church in Texas and she's uh, baptized. Uh, she immediately begins to serve in, in the youth ministry. She's an intern in the youth ministry. She then uh, goes to college. She serves in college ministry where she went to college. She then uh, goes and serves at a Christian camp where she ser uh, was full-time staff for three years. And, but she had this, you know, old pastor friend calling her and saying, you should come move to New England. You should come help. And so she prayed about it, and she believed that Jesus was saying, yes, you should move to New England, right? And so she's, she's been here 20 years, pouring her life out for this church and for the mission, helping to make disciples, right? And it is such a beautiful, powerful thing to watch in a person's life, is it not? And she's just one of many that you bump shoulders with that have experienced this, this relationship with Jesus such that when Jesus says, from now on, you will do this with great joy, 
they follow his lead. And so I don't know, again, where you are in, in this journey, but I want to encourage you to make a next step. Whatever that next step is, maybe seeker to confessor, confessor to disciple, disciple to disciple maker, because Christ is always, he's always calling us to grow, calling us to follow, calling us to take that next step. And again, the reason we do it is because of our own encounter with Jesus, right? We're reminded of that every time we come to this table. We're reminded on the, on the night on which Jesus was betrayed, the night of his, before his death, he took bread and he broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after he blessed it. He gave it to them saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. This table reminds us that why a holy God can come in contact with sinners. This is, the, this is how. What this reminds us of. What Christ does on the cross. And so we come to this table saying, go away from me, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And he's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But he's, he's not saying don't be afraid because he's the big grandfather up in the sky. He's saying don't be afraid because he died in our place for our sins. And so every time we come up and take this bread and take this cup, we're, we're reenacting that of admitting our need, right? Admitting our sin and admitting that Christ has made a way such that a holy God can come in contact with sinners such as us, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come in contact with him through faith and what he's done at the cross. And then let that unlock something in you such that when he says, from now on, you say, yes, I will do that. Let's pray. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. You, you showed your glory to Peter and James and John that day. And as, as they, they saw that glory, the glory of your holiness, the glory of your mercy, they came near and you made a way for them to stay Stay near in relationship with you. Lord, you've done that for us as well. Lord, help us see your glory, the glory of the one who is Lord, the one who is Savior, the one who is King, and to come near to you because of what you've done for us at the cross to forgive us of our sins. So help us to, to be reminded of that, to be astounded at that, Lord. And may it unlock in us the absolute willingness to follow you with all our hearts and minds and souls and strength. I pray your blessing over the bread and the cup, Lord, and just draw, draw us near as we, as we take it, as we remember what you've done at the cross. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.